Turn with your Bibles again to First Timothy, or excuse me, First Peter, chapter three. And as Gavin mentioned earlier, we are in kind of a mini series of a series as we come into chapter three of First uh, uh, Peter. It's a section dealing with the Christian home. And uh, last week we looked at uh, the instructions to the wives, and this morning we look at the instructions to the husbands. And we're looking at only one verse this morning, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. So let us hear God's word. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. That is God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask again for your help as we turn now to your word. Father, we call it your holy word for our reason, because it is here that you reveal yourself to us. And we know that is true. And so we pray for grace this morning to unfold the truth of your word, the grace to be able to hear it and to receive it and to apply it. And I pray especially for the men of this body that you would give us all grace to be the men you've called us to be in our homes, in the church, in the world. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are, again, in the midst of uh, this uh, kind of uh, section in First Peter that deals with the home. I said last week that the home needs help. It needs heavenly help. It needs God's help. I want to expand on that for just a moment this morning as I begin. You know, every home has problems. I want you to hear that. Every home has problems. And if you are struggling with your marriage today... If you are having issues with your children today, do not feel alone because you are not alone. It is the common lot of all of us. As I said last week, every home and every family is tainted by sin. Even the best families are the ones who on the outside at least look to be the best Looks can be deceiving, you know. But even the ones that appear to be the best deal with the impact of sin in their homes. Impatience, self-centeredness, greed, jealousy, envy, anger, frustration. They all take their toll. And they create tension, they create strife in the home. You see, the difference between a Christian home and a non-Christian home is not the absence of sin, but it's the grace to deal with that sin. It's the grace to fight against it. The grace to forgive it. The grace to overcome the damage that is done by it. What we all need in all of our homes is a greater manifestation of the grace of God. Again, last week our focus was on Peter's instructions to the wives. And I want to commend you ladies uh, for the gracious and humble way that you received 
God's teaching as we unfolded the first six verses of this chapter. Those instructions, again, were focused upon your conduct and your appearance, two very personal matters. We saw there that the primary responsibility of the wife in the home is submission to her husband, an attitude of submission, and behavior that is chaste and respectful. We saw that in regard to her appearance, a wife is not to be focused on external things only, or even primarily, but is to be concerned about what Peter calls here the hidden person of the heart, or who she is in the eyes of God. Now, I promised that we would get to the husbands today, and we are, because that's where Peter goes in verse 7, again, as he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and giving to us God's word. Again, there are six verses that are devoted to instructions to the wife, only one verse devoted to instructions to the husbands, but I think you'll see, even though there may be some inequity in the number of verses, there's no inequity in terms of how earnest and how profound the instructions are here to the men. What we find in this one verse are the obligations given to the husband in regard to his wife, and then there is a promise given if men obey it and do what God says. So first, we find the obligation that God gives to husbands. And it comes in four parts. The first of those obligations is that the husband is to submit to his wife. Now some of you are scratching your heads and saying, Huh? I thought it was that the wife was to submit to her husband. What's this about a husband submitting to his wife? Others of you are out there thinking, what in the world are you doing, preacher? You last week made it clear to my wife that she was supposed to submit to me and now you're about to jerk it all away. The Bible teaches regarding submission. In the husband and wife relationship, if there is to be a sense of mutual submission, it not, might not be exactly the same, it might not look exactly the same, it might not function exactly the same, but I would submit to you today that a key, one of the keys to a successful marriage is this sense of mutual submission. I want you to look at what Peter says in verse 7. In his instruction to the husbands, he says in verse 7, You husbands, in the same way. That ought to sound familiar to you. That's the same way he opened the instructions to the wives back in verse 1. In the same way, that's chapter 3, verse 1. In the same way, you wives. And really, he's going all the way back to chapter 2 in verse 13. Where there Peter began to talk about various spheres of life. And how in each of those spheres, one of the keys to success is submission. 
citizens to the government, employees to employers, wives to husbands. And now to the husbands, he says, and you in the same way. Well, what does it mean for a husband to submit to his wife? It does not mean that he gives up his headship in the home. It does not mean that he relinquishes his God-given authority in the home. But rather it means that he serves his wife and he makes his needs subservient to hers. We really have a bad misunderstanding even in Christian circles of the biblical design for the home. If I were to ask you this morning, who is it that is to be primarily responsible for the tenor of love in the home? Who would you say? Well, our culture says it, doesn't it? And Christians, most Christians say it. They say, what's the mother? The mother, the wife. She's the source of love in the home. The wife is the loving one and the husband is the stern one. The father is to keep order. The mother is to keep nice. But folks, that's not what the Bible says. It is the husband. Hear me now. It is the husband who is to be the primary source and generator of love in the home. I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. We're going to spend just a few minutes in Ephesians 5 to balance what Peter's saying in 1 Peter 3. As Gavin mentioned, we did read this together last Lord's Day. I made some reference to it uh, last week, and you husbands, I know you liked it when I talked about Verse 22, where it says, Wives, be subject to your husbands. Now it's your turn, our turn. Why don't you look at verse 25? Where it says, Husbands, love your wives. Men, that admonition is not given to the women. Bible does not say, wives, love your husbands. The Bible says, wives, respect your husbands. But the Bible says, husbands, love your wives. This chapter in Ephesians 5 gives us two ways that the husbands to do that. One is, as Christ loved the church. And the other is, in the same way that he loves himself. Look again at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now look at verse 28. So husbands ought also to love their own wives. How? As their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And then look at verse 33. Nevertheless, each individual among you also 
is to love his own wife even as himself and the wife must see to it that she respects her husbands. Three times in that chapter the admonition is given husbands love your wives. We saw it in the Colossians passage. Husbands love your wives. Well how does a Husband, love her. How does he love her as Christ loved the church? How does he love her as he loves himself? He does it by submitting to her. By loving her as sacrificially. By submitting to her and putting her needs above his own. Yielding himself to what he might desire what he knows she desires and what she needs. Why don't you look at with me at one more other text and that's Philippians chapter 2. Not a text we normally consider in regard to marriage but I always use it in premarital counseling. Philippians chapter 2 verses 3 and 4. Where it says this, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Husbands, if you're going to love your wives as Christ loved the church, if you're going to yield yourself to her, you must regard her and her needs and her desires more important than your own. Verse 4, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. We can say it this way, do not look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of who? Of your wife. Peter says, husbands, in the same way. We can come at that different ways in the it's really in the context in the same way that citizens submit to the government and employees to employers and wives to husbands in the same way. Give yourselves. Yield yourselves to your wife. Also be this couldn't in the same way as Christ gave himself for the church. Give yourself for your wife. That's the first obligation. And the other obligation found in First Peter chapter 3 verse 7 as we go back to that text is understand your wife. It's exactly what Peter says here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You husbands in the same way live with your wives in an understanding way. Okay man, listen carefully because this is an area where we fail miserably. And I want you to notice out of all the things God could have said about your relationship with your wife here. He tells us to make it our goal to understand them. Live with your wife in an understanding way. That word live there means to dwell or to cohabit or to be in an intimate setting with someone. And what Peter is saying here is that as you live with her, one of your goals should be 
to understand her. Now, why would God say that? Why would God tell us to live with our wives in an understanding way? Well, you know. It's because sometimes they're hard to understand. Women are complex creatures. You know, David said of himself, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's true of all of us, but God has made women wonderfully. He's made them uniquely. And there is a clear difference between the sexes. Our culture tries to diminish that, doesn't it? Tries to diminish the the clear God-made differences between a man and a woman. But the differences are clear. And sometimes the differences are stark. And one of the best investments a man can make is to take time to realize those differences and to understand in what ways his wife is different from him. You know, our tendency as men is to impose ourselves on our wives. You know, we feel one way about something and we just assume she'll feel the same way about it. We react to an event one way and we just assume our wife is going to react the same way we did. We have a particular opinion about something and we just assume she'll have the opinion that we have. We enjoy something and we just assume she ought to enjoy it too. I mean, that is a fatal mistake. Don't assume that your wife enjoys what you enjoy or that her opinion will always be the same as yours. Your goal in life is not to make assumptions about those things. Your goal in life is to learn them, to understand them, to understand her and how she thinks, how she feels, what she needs, what she desires, what she enjoys. Make it your life's project to understand your wife. And I say make it your life's project because that is exactly what it is. It takes your whole life. Why is that? It's because women change. My wife's not the same woman she was a few years ago. I'm not the same guy I was either. You know, it, it, it's a constant process, isn't it? Of getting to know each other. Of understanding each other. Of realizing that, you know, we're different people. We go through phases of life. And, and we must make it our lifelong project to understand them who they are in the eyes of God. Sometimes God will bring particular circumstances or situations into our lives to get our attention and to help us refocus on that priority. That's what happened in my own life. You'd have to ask her to be sure, but I think that I think that I'm trying harder to understand my wife now than I did three years ago before she had her episode and was wheeled into the sanctuary for a short time in a wheelchair. 
and went through a period of recovery. You know, sometimes God will bring things into our lives to make us understand that, you know, I wasn't doing it just right. I've got to work a little harder at this. I need to do better at living with my wife in an understanding way. And that's the obligation given to us. Live with your wife in an understanding way. There's still another obligation, and that is be realistic about your wife. Notice what Peter says. You're to view her as someone weaker since she is a woman. I said a moment ago there's some real differences between men and women, and that's by God's design at creation. I believe what the Bible says is true. I believe God created Adam out of the dust of the earth. Breathed into him the breath of life. Brought every animal before him to give it its name. And to see if there was anything else in God's creation suitable to be his. And nothing was. And so God put Adam to sleep. Took a rib out of his side. Formed and fashioned a woman. And he gave it to Adam. And when Adam woke up from his sleep, he said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Here Peter says, Live with her as the weaker vessel because she is a woman. Now that is not a sexist or chauvinistic remark. It is simply the truth. By God's design, it doesn't reflect any sense of inferiority intellectually, morally, or spiritually. Women as a rule are weaker than men. And therefore, God, in his design, has appointed the man to be her provider and her protector. Again, God has a design for his creation. And we find fulfillment in life when we follow God's design. We run into trouble when we get outside of it. And so God lays this obligation upon us husbands. You live with your wife, not just in an understanding way, but you realize she's weaker. She needs you. Because she is a woman. There's one more obligation here. And that is to honor your wife. Honor her. Show her honor, Peter says, as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Now you've got to realize what a radical statement that was. In the Greco-Roman world in which Peter lived. Folks, then women were given no honor. They were property. They were tools. Their primary responsibility was two things. Have children to keep out. Husbands had little to no interest in establishing any kind of 
friendship with their wives. All their interests were outside the home. You see, the Bible, contrary to much popular opinion, does not denigrate women. The Bible actually elevated women to a place of honor they had never known or experienced before in any culture. And here, these are radical words in Peter's day where he says, Look, you men, honor your wife. You give her honor because she's a fellow heir of the grace of life. Build her up. Don't tear her down. Encourage her. Don't discourage her. Be thoughtful to your wife. Do not neglect her needs. Help and assist your wife. Do not take advantage of her. After all, she is your partner, not your competitor. She's your helper, not your enemy. And I can promise you, I can promise you, the more you honor your wife, the more you elevate her, the more you encourage her, the more you compliment her, the easier it will be for her to be to you what she is supposed to be, to be your helpmeet and be all that God's called her to be. Always remember, the text says, she is a fellow heir of the grace of life. You're both equal in the eyes of God. I said last week this whole idea of submission and headship has nothing to do with superiority and inferiority. It has everything to do simply with the order God has designed. In the eyes of God, we're all equal. You know, the cross is the great equalizer, isn't it? We're all equal at the foot of the cross. We all come to God in the same way, by the same grace, through the same Savior. We all have the same spiritual inheritance. We're all looking forward to being in the same place, enjoying the same thing. Treat your wife as a fellow heir grace of God. Well, those are the four obligations given to the husbands. Share mutual submission with your wife. Understand your wife. Be realistic about your wife. And show honor to your wife. It's interesting this passage ends with a promise. The promise is that if you treat your wife with honor, if you love her as Christ loved the church, then your prayers will not be hindered. Now the flip side is obvious, isn't it? If you don't treat her that way, your prayers will be hindered. This is not the only place in the Bible where we find that the marital relationship has an impact upon our relationship with God. And when our marriage is out of kilter, our prayer life is out of kilter. Let's just be honest, men. It's hard to pray. 
when you're out of sorts with your wife. So if you're struggling to pray, if your prayers are hindered, if you don't have any zeal in seeking the Lord in prayer, it's usually because your relationship with God is broken by some sin. Men, if that's the case in your life, one of the first places to look is in your relationship to your wife. How are you treating her? How are you viewing her? What honor are you giving to her? How much are you trying to understand her? How much are you really serving her? Your answers to those questions will go a long way in answering your questions about your relationship with God and your life of prayer. You see, there's this kind of delicate symmetry between the, in the relationship between the husband and the wife in the home. The husband is to love his wife. As Christ loved the church, sacrificially, being the servant. He's a lover even as he loves himself. To care for her even more than he cares for himself. Provide for her in the same way he would provide for himself. Making sure that his wife is all that God has called her to be. To be the woman of God he has designed for her to be. And the husband's love for his wife is critical. In the atmosphere of the home. If you men are failing there, I can tell you. Your home has strife, discord, and tension in it. But if you are loving her that way, then your wife will be able to respond to you by giving you what she's supposed to give, and that's the respect that you need and want. You see, it is your love for your wife that is the grease that makes the home run smoothly. It is your responsibility. For too long we've put the responsibility for love in the home on the wife. But God gives it to the husband. The more you show her the love of Christ, the easier it will be again for her to submit to you, respect you, and help you. And so this is a challenge this morning. An open challenge to the men and the young pen of North Point. If you are married, seek to be the husband God has called you to be. Love and lead your wife in a Christ-like way. Point her to Jesus in all you do. Serve her well. and Consider her needs more important than your own. If you're a young man looking someday to be married... I challenge you now to be developing the skills that you will need to be the kind of husband God has called you to be. The kind of husband that your wife can respect someday and whose lead she can follow. I leave you with the admonition found in one of our hymns. Rise up, O men of God. Have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings. And in doing so, you'll serve your family well.
Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray for all of us men that you give us grace to be better men, better husbands, better fathers, godly men, men who seek you first, and bless our wives and our children and our grandchildren. And may we leave a legacy of homes that are focused upon Christ. For your honor and glory and praise we ask it. Amen.